Here we are at Pod and Market. One of my favorite aspects of being a host of a podcast in Newark is getting to see who else is producing their own shows. While there are quite a few podcasts in the city, I haven't really had the opportunity to meet many other hosts and producers making Newark content, especially since the pandemic has limited my ability to interact with new people, which is why I'm excited to have today's guests on the podcast. Roger C. Tucker III is the host of What's Newark Got to Do With It, a podcast that features interviews with artists, historians, authors, curators, and other cultural thought leaders from the city. According to the podcast description on its website, the conversations delve into the cultural impact and lifelong influences the Brick City has and continues to have on their lives and careers. I have listened to several episodes already, and the episodes are truly a deep dive into the history of the city. One of my favorites so far was an interview with uh, playwright Richard Wellesley, or Wellesley, sorry, uh, where he and Roger talked at great length about growing up in Newark and the impact movie theaters in particular have had on their careers in art, which is actually one of my favorite discussion points. Um, a note on Roger himself, he is the CEO of Tucker Hillard Marketing Communications, as well as an academically trained artist with art featured in museums and galleries across the metro area. He has a BFA from Cooper Union, an MS from Pratt, and an art business professional certificate from NYU. He also he has also served on the board of Cooper Union and the Education Advisory Committee of Montclair Art Museum and is the board president of Glassroots. Um, so welcome, Roger. Um, so first, I want to thank you for coming on. And my very first question to you is, are you a huge fan of Tina Turner? I am. I'm not a huge fan. Um, I'm a, I, I, I love her. I think she is, um, you know, one of the great iconic American um, stars. She's she's bigger than life. Um so I, I guess you're asking me because of the title of, <laughs> yep. of the it, podcast. <laughs> it's, it's my segue into asking you, how did you get the name for the podcast? <laughs> okay, well, it's a great question. Um, it's actually the name of a memoir that I've been working on for the last 14 years. And um, my daughters said, you know, Dad, you're always asking questions. And, uh, and 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 they're right. And I thought that it was a great way to sort of get people to think about Newark, just to think about Newark possibly in a way that they might not have thought about it. So, or maybe they would ask me the question, well, what does Newark, you know, got to do with it? What does it have to do? And it, it, for me, it's like a great intro to, to talk about all of the uh, phenomenal things that Newark offers and continues to offer um, uh, to the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're breaking into this ground because I, I think one of the hard parts about Newark is often things can get kind of siloed in this city. And what I love about your podcast is that if for me, I'm someone who grew up here in the city, right? And I, you know, I continue to live here. But despite how small the city is, it's amazing what you don't see or what you don't know about its history. And I love that your guests so far are people who really do speak to that, right? And I'm wondering, like, how do you know your guests? How do you find these guests who have such deep roots in the city? Maybe and some of them don't even live in Newark anymore or have left the city. Well, it's, uh, you know, I'm really very fortunate in that, um, between my wife and myself, she's actually from 
Bergen County, but we're both in the arts. She's a, a journalist, and now she's in uh, the nonprofit world. And uh, so for me, being a visual artist and an ad agency guy, um, just information and people who are in the communications industry, whether they're professors or you know advertising gurus, uh, we're both really, um, really into this idea of you know communicating um, about the things that we love. And uh, I'm always getting teased by my wife and the girls. Dad, there you go. And you now, Roger, another story about Newark. But what has happened, and we've been, my wife and I have been married 35 plus years. Whenever we're in a setting, it could be in Chicago, it could be in Bermuda, it could be anywhere. And I mentioned that I'm from Newark and someone in the, the at the table most possibly would say, oh, I'm from Newark too, or my, my grandmother was from Newark, or I, I, I went to Newark on, you know, during the summers. So she's always amazed, um, you know, again, at how Newark sort of covers so many different places and people. And Richard Wesley um, is uh, probably a closer associate of our, our colleague of Cheryl's, you know, being, um, being a writer, being a screenplay. His wife, in fact, um, is went to uh, Columbia with Cheryl for journalism, Valerie uh, Wesley. So uh, our sort of intersection with friends, with colleagues, with experiences really have provided, um, you know, some of the people, most of the, not some of the, not all of the people, but so some of the people so far that I've interviewed. Um, I just recently interviewed uh, Victor Davson, mm -hmm. um, of Algira and um, Newark Express. I've known Victor for over 35 years. Um, I've, even though I haven't lived in Newark since I guess I was in my early 20s, I have lived in almost every um, town in Essex County, um, and some of them twice. <laughs> so, so for me, you know, the towns, uh, you know, the Oranges, Montclair, Verona. For me, they're just neighborhoods of Newark, because for me, all roads lead to Newark. Bloomfield Avenue leads yep. to Newark. So you know, two eighty needs leads to Newark. I'll tell you. I mean, Essex County is a weird place because I I grew up in North Newark, um, near Bloomfield Avenue. In fact, I was uh, I was blown away when you talked about this theater called I think Tivoli, right, on Roseville Avenue. Yeah, I, I had no clue that there were, there had been a movie theater on Roseville Avenue, which is like you know oh, yeah. where I grew at up. Roseville, at, and it was a children's theater. Roseville Avenue. Well, I'm I'm probably a lot older than you. I'm, <laughs> I'm six, I was just sixty eight, but um, uh, there were so many things that you could walk to that you could take the bus to. I didn't realize that Newark was so huge because we didn't have a car growing up. We used public transportation, so. Until I went to arts high school, I didn't realize that the city was so huge. It took me almost two hours to get from North Newark to the Clinton Hill section to visit, you know, my girlfriend. And so, you know, taking, you know, buses and transfers. So like yourself, I grew up in North Newark. And that, again, was another neighborhood in Newark that very few people, you know, you would be there and people say, oh, are we in East Orange now? And I said, <laughs> no, we're in Newark. 
um, or are we in Bloomfield now? So um, yeah, I, li- I like to joke that um, to truly be from the north uh, northward of Newark is to have cro- you know to continuously cross East Orange, Belleville, and Bloomfield's borders without even caring that you're crossing a border. Absolutely right, because they don't exist. <laughs> yeah, Springdale Avenue. I would either ride my bike or walk up Springdale Avenue to my aunt's house. She lived on North Maple Avenue in East Orange. And, um, you know, it was like, for me, I was probably more familiar with that part of East Orange than I was for most of Newark until I went to high school. Where'd you, so, uh, where'd you go to high school? I went to arts high school. Oh, cool. Nice. nice. In, in Newark. Yep. Yeah. The first visual and performing arts high school in the country. <laughs> I'm not sure if everyone knows that. Take that, LaGuardia. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, it, 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 Newark had Fame Academy before uh, Fame Academy was a thing, um, which I love. I mean, it's amazing to think that how many artists, uh, a, a lot of them performing artists, but not just performing artists, visual artists as well, have graduated from Arts High, particularly even like younger, not just, I mean, a lot of high schools in Newark, they boast uh, famous alumni. But often these alumni are people from the past, right? Um, you know, Wequaic, not Wequaic. Um, yeah, it's so, yeah, Wequaic always has Philip Roth, right? Um, you know, I'm sure Barringer has a couple of famous Italian-American alums. But Arts High continues to be such a relevant school. Um, like one, a major Hollywood star, like Michael B. Jordan, graduate. Um, MJ Rodriguez, who is the lead actress on a major uh, cable show. It's just astounding to see that that roster of alumni absolutely they just keep you know it's it's it just keeps on creating you know we have macarthur genius award winners from yes yep from from newark and what what really sort of gets me and my wife laughs at me i i want to write like why didn't you put that you went to um arts high school in newark because that's where your music Hmm. you know was really sort of honed um uh charles gaines a famous uh black artist um i don't think arts high is in his bio um oh wow uh, it's, it's it's amazing that you know um i you know we know where philip roth went to school he went to wikoi high school <laughs> so <laughs> uh so it's 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 for both of us to sort of toot the horn of you know the other incredible schools in high school in in, in newark i'll t- i'll tell you something weird though i um I, I'm reading the Blake Bailey biography of Philip Roth that just dropped. It's a bit controversial right now. Um, right, right. But um, it, it is like looking into a different Newark. Like, and granted, a lot has changed since when he grew up, which was, uh, you know, the mid 30s was when he was uh, um, a child. And by 19, the 40s, he was a teenager. But like that, just, it just, the way he ta- Newark has talked about in that book, I recognize the names, I recognize the history, but it does feel like almost intentionally that they're talking about a different city um and i'm wondering you know you know you've lived um a long and rich life i'm wondering you know how much has newark changed for you and how much is it the same newark that you've always known it to be well you know it's interesting um this this podcast and and my memoir when it comes out because i'll be telling the more updated stories of yeah. of newark but you know growing up in newark was was both brutal and beautiful mm. um you know i grew up in the 60s and the early 70s and so 
It was brutal in that the city and the surrounding towns were segregated and heavily policed. I experienced stop and frisk before I was 13. Oh, wow. And when I got my driver's license at 17 or 18, I was stopped. My car was stopped and searched at least once a month. And I was unfairly ticketed when I entered towns like West Orange. So I didn't, you know, it's, you know, people, when uh, a good friend of mine says, oh, you know, the United States is more polarized than it's ever been before. And I said, well, you didn't, you, you forgot segregated America. I, I call that the most polarized time in this country. And it's still not as much, but, um, you know, we, we, we talk about this idea of heavily being heavily policed. And um, fortunately, a couple of the times that my brother and I were pulled over for no reason, other than we had Afros and we were black. Fortunately, he went to Barringer High School. Mm. And a lot of the guys who graduated from there uh, became policemen. And so more than maybe one or two times we were pulled over for false identity, you know, for, for, for nonsense. They would look over and my brother would say, hey, Johnny, Johnny Soria, isn't that you? And oh, Tucker, <laughs> that's you. Oh, oh, well, th these guys have nothing to do with that. The, the, those two, I said, yeah, because it doesn't look like we're six feet tall. So, um, so that idea of um, again, brutal and beautiful, um, Newark. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be three blocks from Branchbrook Park, mm. the first county park in the United States designed by the Olmsted family, the same guys who designed um, Central Park. Um, so I grew up with this, you know, um, incredible beauty. Uh, you know, we have the, the Cherry Blossom Festival in Newark, more cherry blossoms than anywhere in the country. Uh, so this is, you know, this is the park that we went to on the weekends. I went to Rotunda Pool over on Clifton Avenue. Uh, we'd have picnics by the, the lake. We'd ride our bikes up and down Bloomfield Avenue and Park Avenue. And it it was idyllic. And then sometimes it wasn't mm. so idyllic. But the the thing that was always constant was the um, the natural beauty, the architecture, the institutions that were there. Then, you know, I worked at the um, Newark Library when I was in high school and I worked in the art stacks and oh, wow. um you know it's like it, you know that is that that library is is basically a villa that's filled with books and i remember going up to the top floor you could go in a room you could select albums sit in a, a room put your headphones on and listen to any kind of music that you wanted to listen to um you know it's so it's we had and and Richard Wesley talks about this idea of, yeah, New York was there, but everything was first run in in uh, Newark. Um, you know, we had a we had a subway system. I I took the trolley from either Bloomfield Avenue to Park or Park Avenue to Penn Station to commute to to you know to Cooper Union. I did that for four years. People said, "Oh, how could you do that?" And they said, "Have you ever been on the path tubes or the the Newark trolley?" There are WPA murals yep. underground yep. in the, the Newark truck. Oh, I've never been there. You're kidding, really? So this it's extraordinarily wealthy city, a city over 300 years old, 
So I'm I'm always amazed when people sort of, you know, oh, that that, that was the Newark of, of the rebellion in 67. I said, but it was around for hundreds of years before then, and it's going to be around for hundreds of years after because it is such a dynamic city. It is, you know, it's a maker city. It's 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 the you know, it's just a phenomenal place. And um, again, this again is my love letter to Newark, um, the podcast, the, the soon to be <laughs> released memoir whenever it comes out. <laughs> but uh, to, to speak with young and old, and I'll be speaking with, um, you know, younger, um, second or third generation um, uh, people from whose parents grew up in Newark, um, you know, to, to sort of attest to this idea that it's, you know, it was really truly a launching pad. Uh, Ernest Dickerson, who is one of my other yep. uh, the people that I interviewed, uh, Ernest and I both worked in Bamberger's, which is no longer around. It was, it was, it was better. It was a mini, not much smaller Macy's, or you know, in its day. And people came from the tri-state area to shop at Bamberger's. It was, you know, it had private clubs, it had restaurants, and so. Ernest and I, Ernest Dickerson and I, he worked in the photography department and I worked in the young men's clothing department. And we talked about, you know, photography. We talked about films. When he went on to Howard, I would drive down. I finally had a car in college. I would drive down and we would go to, you know, different film festivals there. He is now um, the uh, one of the top rated directors in the country. Um, he he just he just got back from West Africa from um, directing uh, two or three episodes of Raised by um, Wolves, the HBO Max series. Mm-hmm. So I interviewed him in South um, in South Africa while he was you know setting up and, and filming there. So he lives in L.A. now. Um, but again, the fact that. You know, we met at the library. Oh, well, actually, we met at Bamberger's, but his mother, oddly enough, was my was my uh, supervisor when I worked at the library. Wow, that's just... <laughs> that, but that's, that's a whole episode in its own right. Um, I, I'm so glad, like, just to go back, you mentioned 67. And mm-hmm. one, of, one of my goals in life, I, I'm a trained historian, and I've always wanted to write the 67 to today history of Newark. I think a lot of histories of Newark try to go from like six, 1666 to today, right? But I think right. there's enough there to write 800 pages about, you know, an era where Newark is reeling in some respects, but also trying to find itself and, 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 and redefine itself, arguably. But if I do the math correctly, you were a teenager in 67. Right? I was. I was. And in fact, I remember getting a call from my girlfriend. She lived in um, the Weekwake section. Mm. Uh, she lived on Baldwin Avenue. And she said, Roger, do you see the smoke? And I said, what smoke? Now, I lived on North 5th Street, like I said, a couple of blocks Wait. from the... Oh, really? From the... Yeah, I know North. Fifth, I know North Fifth very well. Sorry, we'll we'll talk about this later. But I actually very familiar okay. with North Fifth. All right. So it. So she said, "There's something going on." And of course, you know, we the six o'clock news came on, and we found out what was going on. Um, and it the the um, National Guard ended up being stationed yep. in the North. Yep. Yep. In Branchbrook Park. Yep. I, and I, so. 
so you know my what happened in the you know during the, the during the rebellion and um other people actually witnessing it maybe because they were closer um it, it was still it was still harrowing because it was harrowing but it wasn't incredibly surprising because again you had to be in Newark and be black mm. in the fifties and the sixties and the seventies. It you know, I I um I don't know, very few people know the name now, Anthony Imperiali. Yes. Oh, I, I grew up in the Northward, so I know I know the name Imperiali. You, you know the name. <laughs> and so, you know, this this guy was, you know, he was he, he was, was George Wallace. <laughs> yes, he was George Wallace. Um, you know, with a bad toupee, um, and yeah. and you know we we have a we have a place down the Jersey Shore, and I was I was getting ready to to wait for the next train, and mm. um, the train didn't come, and I called an Uber, and uh, I always ask the Uber drivers, you know, what do you do, and how long have you been doing this, and the guy was sitting in front of me, huge guy, um, said, oh, well, I'm an actor. I said, "Oh, cool! What have you been in, or what are you going to be in?" He said, "Oh, well, I'm actually going to be oh, in no. uh, this, the new Sopranos." Oh, I know, where you, I know where you're going with this too. <laughs> yeah. So I said, "The news." I said, "And so, what are you playing?" He says, "Well, I'm pay- I'm playing a racist." Yeah. I said, "You're playing yep. a racist." He said, "Yeah, I'm yep. actually. I work with, I work in the um, show with uh, Anthony Imperiali. I'm one of his guys." And I again, here I am. You know. 30, 40 years later, and if you are in New Jersey, um, you actually, I was in Seattle years ago and there was a guy from Newark driving the cab there. Um, so, so it was a, you know, it was a harrowing, it was, yeah. you know, I had friends who wouldn't come from when I went to arts, they wouldn't come to, to my neighborhood. They said the guys will chase us with bats and they'll call us names. And they did. I, I saw them and it, and it happened when I, you know, when I was growing up, um, my brother and I were—we went to First Avenue. Oh, that's um, that's my ma- school. That's my alma mater. Is that you? There you I, go. From kindergarten to and eighth grade. That's that's where I went to school. I actually, well, actually, I was in—I attended Garfield. Okay. Yep. Um, yep, yep, yep. On Park Avenue. Yep. And right in from Park Avenue. And because we were um, on the other side of Second Avenue, mm-hmm. when I was in the third grade, my brother and I had to transfer. So we transferred to First Avenue, and we were one of maybe about 10 black kids in that school mm. from the fourth grade to the eighth grade. And when they when they had the the integration of, of the schools, there were mothers outside with rolling pins, their hair is in their mm. hair in curler, shouting, get that bus out of here. You're not letting those kids in our in our school. And the bus left. And they never returned for another two or three years. Wow. So, you know, firsthand, I mean, some of these, some of those mothers were the mothers of some of my best friends. Mm. And they, they, it, it took a while for them to become my best friends because, you know, there, there were a lot, there were a couple of altercations when I first, my brother and I first um, transferred there. But, you know, kids learn how to work things out. I mean, it didn't, help that their older brothers or 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 parents weren't so cool but some of them were cool so it 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 was an experience growing up in the 60s in newark new jersey 
Yeah. I mean, especially in North Newark. I mean, just to give you a little bit of the legacy of First Avenue, you know, I went there for K through eight and the Italians may have left the neighborhood. I myself, am not Italian, but um, there were the, the people who stayed behind were very, very old. I mean, granted, you know, uh, I, I'm old enough to remember Italian people still living in the North Ward, but young enough okay. that, that, that it was diff- like that it was definitely they were definitely a, the minority. Um, but um, they held on to the jobs. Right, because these were right. these were you know these uh, particularly uh, teaching jobs were you know once you got tenure, you were you, right. you were very much set. And so, you know, from K through eight, my teachers were Briganti, Gerardo, Lardieri, Salandra, mm-hmm. and like it was all these women who who had grown up in the North Ward, right. but had left for for you know your Veronas, your your your. Um, they weren't wealthy enough to live in Essex Fells, but like, you know, maybe maybe if they yeah. were lucky, Montclair, usually Belleville. Mm-hmm. Um, but that legacy was still there, almost like a ghost, <laughs> which yeah, you're, well, too, that, you're too young that, to understand. But yeah, I'm sorry, me talking about myself, I'm too young to understand right. this, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It's, uh, so, but, you know, I when I talk to people who grew up in Chicago, mm. when they, people who grew up in LA, you know, big cities have huge... Um, I mean, very similar stories. I mean, Newark was a city of, of immigrants and, and migrants and, and or, or, or people who, who came from all different places. And so my parents, um, when they came, my mother grew up in Washington, D.C. My dad, my birth dad grew up in um, Philadelphia. When they came to Newark, they... Um, you know, there was very little housing that they could, they could, they could choose from, because they were black. Yeah. So they ended up living twice in what was basically rooming houses. Um, and um, so, you know, people said to me, "Oh, I had I had a young man in his thirties, a colleague the other day, say to me, what's a rooming house?'" <laughs> <laughs> he didn't understand when I said rooming house. He said, "What is that?" This guy's, you know, bright yeah. guy, college graduate, but he had never heard that term. And um, so they, and so when I, I never thought about the fact that, you know, our first early years were sort of like in a, a sort of like a little mini rooming house. I mean, it was just basically the first floor of a two family house and there were like two families there. But um, I said, wow, you know, I didn't realize that that was as a young couple, that was probably the best they could have done because they couldn't have rented anywhere, but very specific places and, and black owned, you know, black owned homes. Uh, fast forward, I'm growing up and I'm growing up. I'm getting ready to, um, you know, graduate. I'm, I've been dreaming about moving to East orange for many years you know, <laughs> since a kid. Yeah. And I finally get to move to East orange and lo and behold, all of the things that I saw the previous residents enjoying, like, you know, the, the porter services and the gardeners, you know, landscapers, yeah. all of that stopped. Mm. And I would go to the, um, you know, the management office on Park Avenue up in Orange, maybe, and say, you know, what are you guys doing? There's, there's a shutter hanging uh, on Building X, and you guys haven't fixed it in two months. And they would say to me, Mr. Tucker, you're the only one who's complaining. And so I said, well, you know what? Um, you won't hear my complaints anymore. I'm getting out of here. So this was my second apartment in East Orange. I said, you know what? 
I'm going to, I'm going to move to Montclair or Bloomfield. And, um, and I started making some calls and they said, Oh yeah, we have a place for you. Come on over. And I'd show up and they'd say, you're Mr. Tucker. And yeah. I'd say, yes. Oh, we just rented that place. Uh, oh my God. I'm so, we just, so that happened four or five times. And I said to my, to my then wife, I said, this is this, we've got to get the urban league in. We've got to sue. And, um, I got distracted by kidney stones. I was in the hospital and I saw an ad in the paper for a new apartment in a town I'd never heard of called Roseland. Oh, yes. <laughs> not, not realizing it was still in Essex County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said to her, I said, get, you know, there's a one bedroom there with a den. Don't tell them that you're expecting. Take the checkbook. If you can get in, leave a check. She came back and she said, oh, I said, how did it go? I'm in the hospital at uh, St. Barnabas. She said, oh, I've got the uh, plans here. I said, you've got the what? You mean it's new construction? <laughs> and she said, yeah, they're, they're building this, this complex in a quarry. And for $35 more a month, we got a swimming pool, tennis courts, a balcony, electric garage door opener. And this was literally just maybe 10 minutes away. And we literally got in there under the wire. I mean, you know, she, she was, she, she got us there. And uh, I remember being in the pool one, one day in the summer and I'm on my back and a woman leans over and she says, uh, hello, darling, how are you? And I said, I'm fine. And she said, and so where are you from? <laughs> and I said, I'm from where everyone in this complex is probably from. And she said, where's that? I said, uh, Newark and East Orange and Orange. She said, you know, honey, you're absolutely right. Well, of course, it was 98% white. Mm. And, and, and that was part of the flight west from Newark. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's amazing. I'll tell you how, how, how crazy the walls are in this county. Like, I grew up in North Newark. I didn't discover Roseland until my mid-20s. When I was a young lawyer and started working at a law firm that used to be in Newark, famously started in Newark, called Lowenstein Sandler on right. Becker Farm Road, which turns there out there go. was a Becker Farm at one point. <laughs> and that well, whole area was know, a farm. I remember before the um, all of the corporate parks started being mm. built up there, I remember Becker Farm because I took my oldest daughter to see one of the cows there on the, fa on the farm. Wow. Yeah, it, so. it's just – and it's so funny because there's a bit of an inversion going on, although I think it's kind of stopped where Prudential had pulled a lot of its uh, – it, it moved – in fact, my old law firm took over the space that Prudential used to be in in Roseland, um, and Prudential moved those people back to Newark. So I thought for a second there would be this giant inversion back to Newark, Correct. but it, it seems to have kind of stopped, and I think COVID is probably – exacerbated the problem i think a lot of people um don't you know they don't care where they live now because they don't where they live doesn't determine where they work or vice versa right um, right yeah you have a lot more yeah you know. but that's great so you, how long were you in roseland for we were in roseland for um i guess two and a half years mm. and a good friend of mine that i worked with i was an art director at clairol 
the hair care company yep, yep. over in New York. And a good friend of mine there who was from Iowa said, Roger, I'm buying a house in um, in uh, Long Island. It's, it's a town called Westbury. Would you mind coming out with me? You seem to know a lot about houses. I, I said, sure. I went out with them. It was a brick house with white columns, three bedrooms. It was $125,000. And I said, if you don't buy this house, I'm going to buy it. And he laughed. He said, well, you live in Jersey. You can't buy this house. So I went back and I said to my wife, I said, um, we've got to buy a house. And she said, I thought you liked. I said, we've got to buy a house. It's time. And so um, I started looking and um, we ended up buying a house in West Orange in an area called, um, they called it Olstead. Mm. And it was a take on the Newstead area in South Orange because it was on the second mountain versus the first mountain. And um, I remember just saying, you know, I, I have to have this house. It was a split level. And, uh, you know, my first wife was in med school and, you know, I was I was a, you know, an art director. And I said, We're, we, we, we don't have to worry about interest rates. And the interest rates were 17 and three quarters. Percent. Yes. Oh, my God. This is the 70s, right? This, yeah, yeah, this I is, mean, the, this well, is the, during, the 80s. Oh, the 80s. Oh, because I figured during the oil well, crisis. Early 80s, early okay. 80s, late 70s. Sorry, and, I'm, uh, I'm a bit of an e economics geek from no, no, you know, that history. And, and like, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and people said, you're insane. And I said, oh, we'll refinance. <laughs> you know, it'll be it'll be fine. And I remember um, standing on the lawn of this house with my dad and a policeman drove by, police car, and he looked up and he said, can I help you boys? Oh, no. And I looked down and I said, only if you know how to help me get rid of this crabgrass. <laughs> and then he rolled the window up and then drove off. Oh, wow. So it was obvious that I wasn't, you know, one of the guys that... Um, I, that was my home. So, so it, you know, it, it's been a, a phenomenal, um, it continues to be a phenomenal adventure. The, um, the town, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, again, this is my first marriage and living in East Orange and not being able to get an apartment. Um, fast forward, our first daughter is um, about to be born. And, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, fast forward. Um, um, my daughter is um, four or five years old. My wife and I, my first wife and I are, are, are divorced. Then I decide that I have to move back to Jersey from New York mm. because my daughter didn't like being in, um, being in New York. And um, I went to the rental. I saw a house in Montclair. And the woman said, uh, the realtor said, the rent is thirteen fifty a month, but we, I think we can get it for you for eleven fifty. And I said, wow, this is the same town four years ago that I couldn't get an apartment in. And now I'm renting a house with a discount. Wow. So, so things, things have changed. Things continue to change. And, um, and again, I'm a, again, I, I'm a, I, I love Essex County for the good and the bad. Um, and again, we, we talk about this idea of art and culture. And I think some of the most interesting people, some of the most interesting companies are discovering Essex County, discovering or rediscovering Newark. And um, 
it's amazing. You know, I, 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 for me, art is something that, and I, I always say this, art inspires, art heals, art educates, and most, most importantly, art changes minds. And I've, I've lived that life where I was able to have a career in art um, and to meet the most incredible people, do the most fascinating things. I, I started an advertising agency after I left Clairol, and um, we were the first black agency to do work for PSENG and New Jersey Transit and companies that, you know, when I was growing up, it, it would have been impossible for anybody to have believed that, you know, a black owned firm would get, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for projects. It just, but I was at the right place at the right time in Newark. Um, I didn't live in Newark at the time, but my roots were there. I understood what the issues were, whether it was, you know, it had to do with banking or it had to do with um, utilities. Um, fortunately, my wife and I, my, my current wife of 35 years, my lovely wife, Cheryl, and I worked together for um, five years, uh, and we formed a company called Tucker Hilliard Marketing mm -hmm. Communications. And uh, we 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 had some of the greatest clients that no one up until that time had had, you know. So um, so in this idea of art, how art has really sort of been the antidote for me and for for many people to sort of the brutality and the the violence of the united states not just north but of the united states um you know with black lives matter we you know people of color as usual are demanding that the country and the world you know admit complicity in the violence and the killing of black people and have i've taken the issues of of not only just race but gender forward by leap years um you know, we have COVID-19, who knew? I mean, we're fragile, we're reckless, but we're brilliant in that we came up with the cure. So it's it's a country, it's a, it's a, a city of so many contrasts, but again, those contrasts are, are what make it so, um, you know, amazing. Um, is that your goal with your podcast to sort of, like, is that your, uh, like with my overarching mission, it's not just, I think interviewing people from Newark, but it's to kind of convey some themes about Newark. And I'm wondering if, if maybe your podcast is also built around this idea of not just you're picking random people you know, but about conveying this kind of thesis you just laid out in the last you know few minutes uh, about the importance of art, but not just its importance, but the fact that it um, it has those powers, those kind of almost almost like nuclear powers that are both like mysterious and um just yeah, yeah absolutely energetic yeah absolutely because when you when you mentioned richard wesley and this idea that um you know first run movies mm. were there in newark um we have now we have you know i i'm the board chair of glass roots for 20 years young we're moving from 5000 square feet to yep. 24000 square feet at the site of the uh, the first and lower level of the um, of the hospital there, uh, St. Michael's, right? I think St. Michael's. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember when my best friend did a residency at St. Michael's <laughs> before they closed it. You know, so here we are moving in the you know in a renovated historic space. Um, you know, the the mayor 
um, is an amazing as a, as an amazing mayor. He's he's the second generation uh, cultural leader. His dad, um, Baraka Amiri uh, Baraka, I knew him in 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 elementary in, in high school as Leroy Jones. Mm-hmm. He his father, Mayor Baraka's father, went to school with my stepdad. And so he, his, you know, Baraka's parents, his father was, a, I think, a postman. So here he is, what his, his father was, um, Mary Baraka was the, um, the, the uh, one of the founders of the Black Arts Movement. And here his son is, you know, decolonizing Newark. <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing the progress in just two generations, what has happened. Uh, what continues to happen? Mary Baraka's uh, daughter, uh, Kelly Jones, Doctor Kelly Jones, his his daughter from his first marriage, is uh, um, a professor at Columbia. She's also a, a MacArthur Genius Award winner, and she, believe it or not, she is intrinsically um, responsible for this resurgence of or looking at emerging black artists and the books that she created while she was at Yale and the programs that she created while she was at Yale. So Newark has always been this, again, this launch pad for big ideas, not little ideas, not sort of, you know, okay ideas, a city of huge ideas with people who are not afraid to take a stand to, um, you know, to, to dare the city not to be better to dare the country not to be better i was i was taping some of the um the letters up on martin luther king um drive which used to be high street yep. uh, abolish white supremacy you know here i am this is you know taping and, and, and we're painting those letters um it's it's a city of incredible um dynamism a city of uh, incredible um courage and so like your like your podcast and like some of the other podcasts, you know, we want to talk about the idea of leading, leading the conversation in culture, leading the conversation in technology, leading the conversation in social justice. You know, Newark, uh, again, the leaders that these are these are people, you know, and, and I'm finding people every day that um and I'm looking further. I'm not just looking for people that I know or people that I've heard about, um, but have, who have been attracted to Newark. And um, so, you know, you and I, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> you and I share the same neighborhood at different times, the yep. same elementary school, which is pretty fascinating. Um, but again, this idea that the idea to communicate something that's positive, to get people to start, you know, remembering uh, remembering differently and or dreaming differently, you know, dreaming. Of, I, I can't get over that. The old um, uh, Verizon building that was, I guess, the Bell Telephone building yep. that yep. is now Walker House. Yep. It's it's an art deco. It's it's so magnificent. And I see young people there. They're walking their dogs. It's, you know, the Haynes building. I remember they used to follow me around when I went to when we're, I was younger, now you have Newark Express, you have Whole Foods, you have people living there. Audible is, you know, is subsidizing some of the rents of people, young people, old people who who live in Newark and who are working at Audible. 
Um, it's, it's a fascinating place. It continues to be a fascinating place. Um, like I said, it's, it's, you know, I didn't even know we were called brick city until about (laughs) 10 years ago. Um, You know, I, I, I never thought of it as, you know, this, this tough place. I think I knew it was tough, but for me, the architecture, um, you know, my, some of my favorite architects were, were born in, in Newark. Um, uh, um, Richard Meyer. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I was born in Newark. Um, and I, my wife and I were, uh, Cheryl and I were taking walks and um, we would get in our car and walk in different neighborhoods. So we went to Essex Fells one day when we were living in, um, in um, we were living in Llewellyn Park in West Orange. And I said, let's, oh. let's go see another exclusive neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we go to Essex Fells and I see this modernist house and I go, Cheryl, look at that house. I've got to find out who designed that house. Lo and behold, Richard Meyer designed that house for his parents. Oh wow! That 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 modernist house was designed by you know Richard Meyer, and um, you know he's probably more a um, a contemporary of uh, Philip Roth because he's yeah. in his late eight, middle eighties now. But you know, um, uh, uh, Mayor Koch uh, went yeah. to Southside High School in Newark. You know who has more chutzpah, and that's the thing: Newarkers have chutzpah. I don't care if you're black, white, Jewish, but we, um, you know, actors, uh, Jerry Lewis, um, uh, you know, this idea of not only just Newark, but Jersey, just sort of, um, you know, Tom Cruise, I think he's from Glenfield. God, uh, God Ridge. Yep, he is. Tom, Ma- I, 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 I know this because uh, my high, one of my high school history teachers went to high school with him and he he didn't go by Tom Cruise in those days. Oh, Tom Mapather his name was Tom Mapather the 4th. Um <laughs> and he was a fo- he was a football player and a wrestler but famously broke his leg playing football, couldn't do wrestling so just auditioned for the musical which was Guys and Dolls and there's history for <laughs> you. Um and Glenbridge is one of those towns really if you blink your eyes you'll miss it. Oh, absolutely. You'll you'll yeah. drive right and, through and, it. And that's and that's the thing. I mean, Jersey has over 530 yep. municipalities. That way, everyone gets to be at the mayor at least once, <laughs> yep. the chief of police once. You know, it's it's a town where everybody wants to be in charge. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's a state. So I think Newark is probably the, 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 the city with the biggest shoulders. Um, and the town surrounding it were just, you know, basically suburbs that that's just where you went when you you know, when you made a little bit more money and, um, you know, yes, you know, yes, it was redlined and yes, there were, there were ways of, you know, keeping people out. And, you know, I, I heard a story that the 280, which that huge Mm -hmm. incline was, was done because an engineer who wasn't black, um, who, uh, was denied, um, entrance into Llewellyn park. And he said, well, let's chop off a piece of it by building that to it let's not build a tunnel through that pill let's just chop off some of that that llewellyn park so they lost about uh 200 or so acres oh wow because of a a guy that they didn't let into the park because you know i didn't know you know what his ethnicity was but it he wasn't they didn't welcome him there at that time i always heard rumors that it was um 
Robert Moses had some hand in it, but I don't know how true that is, given that he was mostly, <laughs> mostly. I, I read the Power Broker, and and from what sure. I could gather, his his power ambit was really limited to New York. I mean, but then again, his power was almost absolute in New York. He, yeah. The closest to an absolute monarch, I think the the state had ever seen. Um, but um, yeah, I've always heard these rumors that it was Robert Moses had some hand in making 280. This I mean, basically destroyed an Italian American community, famously the Seventh Ward or Seventh Avenue, whatever it was called. Um, right. Um, right. Yeah. And Mies, I don't know. Does 280 predate Mies van der Rohe's buildings? I guess they must come. They oh, must absolutely. Come after. Yeah, it must. It must. Yeah, I think it does. the The colonnade. Yeah, the colonnade, the pavilion. I mean, the funny thing is now that's under threat. Um, so I don't know if you, yeah, if you've seen, there's been plans to try to build stuff because the whole plan. Mies van der Rohe had this plan. I'm using my arms right now, as if you can see me. (laughs) It's a podcasting. It's a visual medium. Um, but there was there was this um, lawn. You probably see it from Broad Street if you've ever driven. You know where the Burger King is? Yes, Yes. That lawn was supposed to be open. Like right next to Plume House, uh-huh. you know, next to Plume House in the church, right there, right? It's supposed sure, to sure. be open and supposed to be seamless, but you know, it's fenced off and everything. And you know, when they try to build recently, about two years ago, they try to build this um, complex, this development there. Um, all these local art historians, you know, thank God for local art historians, um, came up and were like, the whole plan from the beginning was to make this open space. And yet, like, you know, developers can't help but to see an empty piece of land and think I can improve on this, um, despite, despite, you know, I think artistic and aesthetic sensibility saying otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the city, that's the history of New York right there. And like, we could go another 45 minutes just talking about destruction in, in this oh, town. Yeah. I mean, 280 yeah. is a good example of that. I mean, the parking lots, I mean, every parking lot right, I see in the city... Yeah, 78, that's another one. But I'm like, every parking lot you see in the city was home to some kind of interesting thing that's no longer there. I mean, the Lincoln Motel's gone. That was already 10 years yes. ago, more than that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, re- I remember Mulberry Street when it had um, all of these different fish markets. Yes, and the Chinese community, and... the Chinese community that used to be there, I think. Or it was more, yes. that was, was that Mulberry? Yeah, it was Mulberry at that point, yeah. Mulberry, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so I again, I... Um, I think that um, you know Newark is is going to be and will continue to evolve and and become you know the place where people from other countries and other parts of the the country come and um, you know the the proximity to New York is is fascinating but as you said earlier in the in our in our conversation people don't have to necessarily be hmm. you know minutes from New York anymore. Um, some people will, um, but fewer possibly. So, you know, this this whole idea of technology is, and and the pandemic is really sort of um, new maps have been redrawn that are 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 amazing, and um, we'll still see how it'll how it'll affect um, affect all of us. Yeah, um, I think it's it's sort of a a good area to wrap up around. So I'm gonna end this conversation the way I end every conversation on this podcast, which is what are you excited for in Newark? And I feel like this whole episode has been you talking about that, but um, you know, is there anything that excites you, you know, to this day well, about the city? Well, I, 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 um, I'm a big um, architecture 
mm. band. And I was taking photos for, I was doing a, um, a project for Glassroots where we had to, you know, identify different things in the city and then post them. And um, there's on William Street, there's a beautiful mural of um, Whitney Houston yes. in glass. Yep. And I and I just, you know, just the murals and the new buildings. And, you know, I'm, I'm sad to see, you know, like Bamberger's become just a, as you said, a shadow of its former self. But I think that it's it's going to be a city that's, you know, has to be renewed. Um, in fact, Richard Meyer, I think, designed uh, the Teacher's Village there on Halsey, mm. his firm. Um, so I, I see um, there's a, there are parks. Um, there's a Veterans Park uh, near Society Hill that I didn't even know existed. A magnificent park for veterans, I think, off of either South Orange or Springfield Avenue. Um, so the Martin Luther King um, Building of Justice on MLK. So it's it's you know it's I see it still uh, transforming. I see it, it you know it, it's it's organic still. Um, companies are still coming into Newark. Mars is in, in Newark now. I love the fact that Prudential built another tower um, in Newark. Um, I love the fact that Audible. Uh, has staked a claim and, and, and a company that's about technology and about, you know, the future. Um, and, and Newark has always, for me, been about the future. And I think it's, it's, I think it's not the ultimate rosy, but for me, it's very rosy. I, I'm, I'm very excited about where Newark is, where it's going, where Glassroots is going, how we are, are moving and how we're looking at this idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion in so many ways, because, you know, the art world was a world of exclusivity. It kept lots of people out. I mean, Jansen's history of art, they didn't have women in it until the 80s. Yeah. It was, and it didn't have uh, black artists in it until the 80s also. So, you know, this idea of exclusivity, and Newark used to be a place of, exclusivity because it was the downtown it was you know you had the museums you had the um the department stores that cater to you know people who were doing very well and um so i think it's becoming a lot more um inclusive we have a, again a phenomenal mayor and mayor baraka we have his his deputy mayors and his um, by Amy Sakur uh, of um, the and the heading the arts initiatives, it's 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 amazing. So I'm 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 a big booster for Newark, and I um and I can't wait I can't wait until it you know till next year this time when we sort of opened up a little bit and people are back at the restaurants and and hanging out in the park and then dancing at NJ Pack and dancing behind the North Museum. You know, I'm looking forward to that. And, and hopefully dancing in the patio at Glassroots. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm also excited for the reopenings that have been going on. Um, obviously, I think there's some nervousness around that. I mean, you don't spend a year and um, two months under lockdown. 
you know, not feeling a little like dazed <laughs> right, as the right. sun out when you get out into the sun and think, Oh my God, what is this? But, uh, my friend, um, the, the podcast will have come out, um, after this has happened, but my friend who has yet to be on this podcast, but hopefully I'll get him on Justin Williams. He does a comedy show in Newark, a very well-known one. And, um, he's bringing it back for in-person, um, in, you know, an event, uh, on a Friday. And I'm kind of excited as part of uh, Newark's first Friday, Zay Little, who was our previous guest last week. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I heard that. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, Zay's great. Um, so it's all part of that. And first Fridays is coming back. So I'm just excited for everything, just kind of coalescing and, and coming back together. Um, but thank you. I mean, that's it for this episode. I want to thank our guest, Roger. And um, I'm including the link to his podcast in the show notes. Please do check it out. Um, there, are, there are a couple episodes that I'm sure there are definitely more to come. And there are names there you recognize and some you'll be surprised to recognize, actually, like I was. Um, so this is Manny Antunes, host and producer of the Pond Market Podcast, editing and sound engineering by Bob Fraze, podcast and logo design provided by Robert Conti, additional creative input by Samantha Cateas. If you have a subject you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, please email podandmarket at gmail.com or contact the pod through social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And um, funny enough, on one of your episodes, uh, I'm going to end with a quote uh, from uh, something that was referenced in one of your episodes, uh, Roger, which was um, Dutchman. Um, this is actually my first time quoting uh, um, Amiri Baraka, formerly Leroy Jones, on the podcast, but I chose um, a quote. It's hard to quote theater, but I think theater offer, often creates great opportunities for morsels of lines that are just, just stand on their own and don't need context. So I'm just going to read one quick line from, from uh, the play. I really suggest you go into the play blind, not knowing much about it. But here's, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's the quote. Um, and we'll pretend the people cannot see you, that is, the citizens, and that you are free of your own history, and I am free of my history. We'll pretend that we are both anonymous beauties smashing along through the city's entrails. Thank you. <laughs>